This is Power Players with Dan Clark. Hey, it's Dan Clark, Power Players with Dan Clark. <clears throat> One of the great privileges I have is to interview the student athletes from the University of Utah. And what we're doing is we're focusing in on NIL, name, image, and likeness. So we're looking for corporate sponsors. We're looking for community activists. We're looking for people like you and me who care so much about these student athletes that we want to make sure that they not only want to come to Utah because of the fan base and because of the support of the community, especially the business community, but they want to stay here. And then after they play in the NFL and make their money, they want to live here and raise their family here because they had such an amazing experience. So it's a pleasure. It's an honor for me to interview the young men and young women from the U. And today's guest in studio is Teo Johnson from Idaho Falls. Tell us a little bit about growing up in Idaho Falls. You know, if you're a jazz fan, you will have heard the name Carl Malone. Yes, sir. Um, Superstar mailman. And his wife, Kay, is uh, from Idaho Falls. I think she went to Idaho Falls High School. That's pretty crazy. And so they spent a lot of time going in and out. And, uh, and, uh, Mrs. Malone, she was Miss Idaho, and then she bought the USA Miss USA pageant, and I was a, 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 a privilege to go up there and watch her work her magic. So tell me about growing up in Idaho Falls. Um, it was it was pretty good. You know, there's nothing I can complain about. It was a great place, uh, a city that still provides me with a lot of support. You know, all growing up, um, I've had great friends and family members and members of the community who supported me growing up. And um, uh, I had a pretty good childhood growing up, just a lot of sports and being outside and, you know, hanging with the family. Tell us about your family. I'm an only child. I have a half-sister. I did not grow up with her, though. She grew up um, in Mississippi. Um, My dad's a football player. He played at Idaho State. Really? Um, Last chance you won a national um, championship there. And so I kind of get my sports side from him. And my mom, is, she's a lover. You know, I get all my you know, kindness, sweetness, you know, great heart, you know, everything from her. She's just the sweetest lady ever. That's and, so um, cool. So was your dad old enough? Did he play in the mini dome there in Pocatello? He did. He did. I've, I've run there. Did you ever run any sprints in the Semplot games there? No, I never did. Um, I considered it. I got the invite a couple of times. It just never lined up with the, you know, schedules. Basketball. I used to play basketball, too. So, yeah. Simplot was always during basketball season. This episode is brought to you by Master Electrical Service, one of the premier organizations in the state of Utah who support our student-athletes at the University of Utah. So what's your hundred yard da- your hundred meter da- your hundred meter dash time? You can tell I'm old. I say hundred dar- hundred yard dash. Um, the fastest I ran in high school, I think, was probably my junior year. I ran ten five. Wow. Yes, sir. So, for those of us who are fans and close enough on the field to pay attention, when you closed in on that swing pass on the on the, it, it, the one of the first, if not the first or second play. That Florida had. We call it closing on the ball. And you were playing safety or corner? You were playing? I was playing nickel. Nickel in that particular defensive package. package. And you showed up. 
And not only did you close on the player fast, but you lit him up like a Christmas tree. Yes, sir. So I'm old. My my, I was a huge fan of Ronnie Lott. I know okay. him. Yeah. And uh, Atwood and some of the bigger safeties, the headhunters. Thumpers, yeah. And what a way to put your signature on the field right out of the shoots because that's got to be a highlight for you for the rest of your life. That was such an yeah. amazing big league play. Well, talk about you know first play ever, you know, your first tackle you ever make on defense, especially me coming from offense growing up, playing quarterback my whole life. You know, that's really the first tackle I've ever made in a defensive situation. And so, you know, it definitely was – it was fun just to get out there, read and react, and just fly around and make plays. So why would you <clears throat> choose the most intense and stressful position on the field when you have such great athleticism? You could play anywhere you want, and all of a sudden you decide, no, I want to cover these guys as a defensive back. I mean, you just said it. It's intense, it's stressful, and it, there's a rewarding feeling in that. You know, when you go out there and you – run with a guy for 20 yards and then break up a deep ball that they try to get you on when you're on the island, no help, or, you know, you're out there, you're one-on-one, it's mano-a-mano. So that's a different um, kind of part of the game that you kind of only get to experience at certain positions. And you know, I love that competition. So with your speed and obviously your toughness, you hit him so hard. You're my kind of guy right there. I'm the hugest fan of yours on the whole, whole stadium. <laughs> would the package, would the nickel package include you in a safety blitz or something. We were all concerned in my section because eventually going down the stretch, we started, we stopped playing to win and it looked like we were playing not to lose. Do you know the difference? Because we yes, lost sir. the momentum. We didn't score anything after 24 points. And then it looked like a cover three with the cover two. It was like a mixture of three deep and two guys up. And I was trying to figure out it wasn't cover three. It wasn't cover two. It was like a mixture of something so... Teach us all, teach these listeners who have no idea what I'm talking about, how you believe the coaching staff can use your ability a little bit more or you're looking forward to have them use you as you're being used. No, yeah, that's <laughs> definitely been um, one of the blessings of being a part of the defense is being able to use my athleticism all around the field. When I first made the switch to defense, I started as an outside corner. And so I learned how to play that, um, you know, the basic techniques of playing Oh, the essential outside corner who plays all downs, doesn't come out ever. And then I made the switch in spring to nickel. I learned nickel, and um, it's been great for me. And then recently I started learning free safety too. And so there's packages that, you know, I'll go back there to free safety. You know, we have two really good safeties, Cole and Vok, big hitters, you know, love to come down and just play in the box. And so I say, you go back there, you just, you know, play deep and let these two come down and, some stuff sometimes too. So, so in a nickel package, that does that sometimes mean you're on the sideline? That's just kind of a drag. Yes, sir. It, you know, it's a drag. But do I need to call Scally? Do I need to call? You know, <laughs> tell him make it permanent. Come never on, leave baby. the field. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm gonna get there. But <clears throat> and you know, I think I could definitely play every down. You know, play against tight ends, play against bigger. You know, um, people. But you know, it's just part of the game. You have to With your physicality, I would never throw anybody under the bus, so I'm not going to name him or his number. But in the strategies, the offensive strategies, what we try to do as an offensive coordinator is to get what we call a mismatch, where there's a running back on a linebacker, and the linebacker can't cover him going across the middle of the field, if you remember the play. 
Okay, okay. <laughs> trying to remember. And to have you with your athleticism, with your toughness, be that guy now, that's almost like you you have the ability to play linebacker even though you're six one. What do you weigh? One ninety five? Yeah, on on a good day. I yeah. I would hope to weigh one ninety five every day. But like yeah, around close to there. I was. So will they bring you up closer to the line of scrimmage, maybe put you in the box and just you know Yeah, I teach us. I think that's definitely the um you know, the progression as I go on. You know, for me, this is I've been playing defense for six months. I've never touched it before I became to college foot you know, college football player. I was a quarterback all twelve years. And so I'm kinda of just making that progression of Know, learning to do everything, uh, playing the run game, how to fit in our gaps and guard and drop and do all of that. And so it's been a process. Been so bad. impressed. So let's teach us about <clears throat> about cross training. So little personal history. So I started on our varsity team as a junior. Nobody else did. You know, everybody were seniors, and I played DB. Yes, sir. And so after my junior year, I went to Santa Barbara, California, for a quarterback receiver camp okay and uh jack curtis you know santa barbara it was awesome went down with a couple of guys quarterbacks receivers and when i came back i played cornerback and going to a receiver camp helped me become a better cornerback because i knew exactly what i was trying to do to get him to turn his back to you know cross his legs or whatever so obviously you have an amazing competitive advantage being a quarterback for 12 years. So teach us what you didn't want defenders to look and see and find out from your eyes, from your idiosyncrasies. You know, if you're going to throw it, you might lick your fingers. And if you're going to hand off, you don't. You know, all these things yeah. that you pick up. So take us through that. What do you do to prepare to get a competitive advantage using the advantage that you have having been a quarterback, a high-level quarterback for so long, and now you're on defense? Yeah, um, you know, a quarterback's job is to read the defense, you know. Before he even snaps the ball, he has an idea where he wants to go, what he wants to do. If he has to check out of a play again, something else because of what they're aligned to do. Um, you know, that's all on the quarterback to think of. And right before the snap, seconds before the ball is snapped, you know. And I would say defense is kind of in the same way. Um, you know, we watch hours and hours and hours of film just learning that, looking at splits and – tendencies when he's lined out to the right when 87's to the left what do they like to do coming back across the field and it's just you know you can never watch enough film there's so many different tendencies and ways you can break down football to get an advantage and that's been something I've been working on a lot too just trying to learn how to watch film and pick up receiver splits you know where's the running back and the tight end combo lined up are they in the far split a near split so just learning how to read all of that. So having been a quarterback, are you getting better at playing the game where you disguise the defense, where you line up over the slot and all of a sudden you slide back into the nickel spot before the snap or stuff like that? Exactly. You know, that's part of the game when, you know, when you get to the point where you're so comfortable, you know, in what you're doing in the defense, you can play games with the other team. You know, I know I have to be cover two dropper to the right side of the field. And I know quarterbacks are taught to throw into the blitz. Oh, yeah. I might come fake a blitz and make it seem like he's, you know, I'm about to come so that he throws right into, you know, right where I'm about to be or right where I want him to go. And so playing games like that, you know, that is part of the game too. That's a good philosophical lesson in life. It doesn't matter how you get there as long as you are where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Exactly. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so tell me about growing up. So in Idaho Falls, what high school did you go to? It's called Thunder. Thunder Ridge, yes, Thunder sir. Thunder Ridge. And who was in your league? We we had a pretty good league. It seemed like either, you know, the state championship would either come back to our league damn near every year. And so we were playing good competition. We played Highland. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Oh, yeah. Rigby. Yeah. They've put out some pretty big recruits. Highland, they're from Pocatello. Yes, sir. That's where Taysom Hill went. Great program. Yeah, Great really program good program. Yeah. And my school, we were actually, um, when I transferred there, it was our second year ever. And so I transferred there my sophomore year, and they didn't win a game prior to that. And so we won our first game that year, won a couple games, and then kind of just, you know, continued to progress and get better and better. But, you know, we were, we were struggling for a little bit. New school, new program, had to work out some kinks. So how did playing basketball in high school help you become a better football player? I think that's one thing I think many athletes mess up on is trying to be one-sport athletes. Um, there's so many great skills and lessons taught in other sports that you don't necessarily get all in football. And, you know, you work different parts of your coordination. You know, basketball is all hand-eye coordination, um, moving, learn how to move without the ball. It's just different types of things, different parts of the game that – all can carry over into another sport. So I think it helped me a lot. So when I uh, got a lot of recognition my junior year, but I was hurt my third game of my senior year in football, and I didn't think I was going to get any more scholarship offers. I got a lot of talk my junior year. But because I played basketball, the football coaches could see that I had some agility, that I could, you know, I had some athleticism, and that's what resurrected my football scholarship. So... What advice would you give parents who have really athletic young boys and young girls? I mean, why in the world would they think, no, they're just a soccer player, no, they're just a lacrosse player, no, they're just this? What would you, what would you teach these parents listening in? Um, don't limit them. You know, just whatever sport they want to play and try, and you know, push them to be the best at it. You know, don't do anything and just you know go half-ass at it or anything like that. Whatever you do, you know, you're putting your signature on it. You you got to give it 100 percent. But, um, yeah, try sports. Play everything. Try it out. See what works. Don't corner them to a certain sport. And then that helps them fall in love with just the overall, you know, love of sports and competing and, you know, stuff like that. Which is kind of cool of your attitude. Just put me in, Coach. You didn't really have to – you didn't really care about playing quarterback or receiver or anything. You just said, I want to play and tell me where I can help the team. Yes, sir. Where did you learn that humility, from your mom or from your dad? Um, both. I would say I learned it from both. Humility is something once you kind of learn, you know, I'm not saying I'm the most humble person in the world or the most, you know, <laughs> but it helps a lot, you know, have being humble and being able to look past yourself really allows yourself to grow and get better as an athlete and a person. This podcast episode is sponsored by Master Electrical Service. Thank you for sponsoring and supporting our University of Utah student athletes. So you said your your dad was a, a, a player and your mom was the kind, you know, kind of had the the, the, the the nun, the Mother Teresa mom, just like me. That's awesome. So what was it like in your home when you when we talked about parents supporting their kids? I can tell that you just loved your family, you loved your parents, and they were very supportive. But I want to know how they how they motivated you to take it to the next level. How did you not become complacent just saying, hey, I'm pretty fast. Hey, I'm pretty good looking. I don't need to comb my hair today. 
uh, yeah, it was <laughs> from a young age. It was never that. It was never just kick it at the house. It was never just lazy day in. You know, you gotta earn. You gotta earn rest time. You know, and just like you know, you're not gonna sit at the house all day play video games. You know, go get better. Go perfect the craft. Go work on yourself. But you know, my dad was great. He was always willing to wake up early. Um, Go hit the gym anytime, you know. As long as I wanted to do it, he was there with me, so that helped me a lot. So let's talk about recovery. Since you have now found yourself in the most stressful position on the field, how do you how do you recover when you miss a, a read? When somebody when you when you jump on the on the juke and then he throws it over the top, what do you do so you don't dwell on the past? Teach us about the mindset of recovery. Um. I think it's I think it's a mix of both of not dwelling on the past and then also carrying a chip on your shoulder, you know. Kind of like you know, if you get beat on a double move and go, you know, it's kudos. Good job to you. Got me that time you're not getting me again. You know, and I bet that, you know, I'm going to come back at you harder now. But um at the same, you know, you have to have next play mentality. You can't let it dwell on you and just bring you down and detract your play. You have to let it fuel you to, you know, play better and your level of play so uh there's 30 seconds on the on the shot clock right yes sir and they say the average length of a football play is five seconds which means you have 25 seconds in between plays to get your act together yes sir what do you do if you're exhausted what if you just went on a deep route they didn't throw it to them you come back to the huddle and you're a little winded what do you do is the mind really that much more powerful than the body yeah it it really is um that especially when it comes to you know the mind and the heart of a competitor you know of an athlete um you just you line up and say let's go again especially as a corner position you know receivers they run a go route hey you know come on you come out the field you know put a new receiver in there that doesn't work with you know corners you know we run down there and then we're running back and we're running again and so it's kind of just you have to have that mindset of I'm not folding, I'm not bending, I'm not breaking, I'm ready for whatever. So. so they say if you're prepared, you shall not fear. I love quotes, under pressure, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your level of, your, your level of training. Yes, sir. That's why we train and prepare and practice so hard. Exactly. So what, what do you do that's different perhaps than anybody else in the defensive backfield that's giving you a competitive advantage as a Ute? Um. I wouldn't say, I think one thing, I, you know, I try not to do, how do I put this? I don't try to be different. You know, I look at it, I see guys like Clark Phillips, and I see guys like Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman, and I look at them and I say, what is it that I want to take from them when it comes to their, how they prepare the games? And a lot of it is film, you know, studying film. And so I try to, I try to watch those ahead of me and try to, you know, because they got there. They've been oh, to the yeah. NFL. They've been to every step. And so why would you not want to follow the example that's been set? And you know every step you have to take along the way. And so I, I try to just prepare heavy and just be ready for my moment whenever it comes up. So do you ever set lofty goals that you have no control over? Like, I got to get a pick a game. I mean, <laughs> you bring up Clark Phillips. when He was sitting right where you were. It was right after he had three picks against Arizona State. Man, what a great interview. And I'm like, so? So do you go into the game going, I gotta, I've been watching so much film, I know exactly when this guy does this, when the quarterback does that, I'm going to pick it. 
So yes. that's a lofty, that's a goal. We should set goals like that. Even if we can't control them, I'm going to get a pick. I mean, yeah, that's what you, that's what you prepare for, you know. You know you're not preparing to go out there and give up a 12-yard pass. You know, we're preparing to go out there and make a play and, you know, make a big stop, get the ball back to our offense. You know, we're trying to steal something. We're trying to cause another fourth down, havoc play. And so, yeah, when I write goals down, <laughs> just like you said, I – sit on my whiteboard in my room, and I just sit there before the game and just write every goal I have for the game. Some are crazy, some are easy, you know. <laughs> so just always have it on my mind of where I want to go and what I want to do. Okay, so what we talk a lot about as athletes, and I coach for six and a half years, once the game starts, the coach is stuck on the sidelines, so somebody on the field has to make a play. Exactly. Somebody is, is and it is, it's me. When I coach the defensive ends, I'm like, if the if, – if it's third and one and you hope they run on the other side of the field, you didn't work hard enough. Exactly. Okay? So we're only human. We can't just have 60 perfect plays. Mm-hmm. As a leader on the field, tail, what do you say to a player when he just got burned? When he, and, it, and you're still on the field. It, didn't, it wasn't six and out. It's like, oh, my gosh, you got to regroup. What do you say? Um, I think a lot of it, personally, when it comes to our culture, you know, on our defense, one thing that we live by, and it's the first thing we always talk about in our mantra, is own your 20 square feet. You know, do what you can do and do your job and do it as best as you can. And so we all, we all try our best to do our 20 square feet. And I know we all try to do our best to do our 20 square feet. And so, you know, if a teammate gives up a play or just, you know, something fluke, you know, something you can't really control, you know, obviously you just got to say, you know, come on, let's get the next one, next rep next my mentality or you know even you it's it's healthy to get on your your teammates you know come on you know we just watched that in film you know you just saw it went back out in the far set you got to know that and so it's healthy to have that type of relationship with each other hold each other accountable and um, so you don't develop that during the game you develop it during practice but more importantly you develop it off the field that's where we really develop trust and honor. You know, if you're only running when the coach is watching, nobody trusts you. You got to give it everything you got when less would be sufficient. Okay. So, what do you do off the field that keeps you mentally tough? That keeps you, you know, ethically straight? Just your the reputation is you're just one of the fine young men, and I'm so proud to have you on this program. Thank you, thank you. And uh, yeah, what? Tell us. Some, how were you raised? How, how do you treat others off the field? Why Why do your teammates just love and respect you, man, when you're this young stallion? Um, golden rule. You know, my dad always tell me, uh, treat others the way you want to be treated. And a lot of, I think that's what a lot of stuff comes down to, just, you know, you don't have something good to say. You don't got to say nothing at all, you know, unless it's trying to build them up or, you know, make them better. I'm not here to tear you down. You're not here to tear me down. We're here to be the best we can be and you know, be a great defense and great offense, everything. Very cool. So are you close with any of the offensive players? That's the weirdest thing, ladies and gentlemen, is how all the offensive players are down on the south side. All the, I mean, all the offenses on the north side and all the defense on the south side, and they look like two separate teams. Did you know the penalty that Florida had? They had too many number threes on the field yeah. at the same time. I mean, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. So are you encouraged to just fraternize with the offense, too? I mean, are you buddies with so many of the guys across the team, or are you mostly in meetings and 
focused on just defensive players? Um, no, I think that's one thing that makes our program really special is our locker room, how healthy our locker room is. And, you know, you hear it from transfers as soon as they get here who come from big programs and, you know, programs with a lot of clout. The thing they talk about is how everybody's friends. You know, we all hang out with each other. We're all at each other's houses and talking to each other in the locker room. We're all homies. And, you know, in the game time, you know, it comes to that point where, okay, defense, like we're homies, you know, we're cool, but we got something to handle. You know, offense has something to handle too. So y'all go do your thing. We're going to do our thing. We're going to support you as you do it. But, you know, it's business, and so you got to kind of, you know, stay organized and operate smooth. But, yeah. It's good. Okay, so let's wind down. So what's your favorite food, man? Let's get the hot seat going. Favorite food? Probably spaghetti. Spaghetti. So if you're by yourself, what's your go-to? What, are you a cook at all? I mean, when I inter- when I interview Cam Rising, man, he's a gardener, man. I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> uh, nah, I'm not a gardener, but I can, if needed, I'll cook. Really? I can cook some stuff. Yeah. What well, would you cook? To. Like a peanut butter and honey sandwich, maybe some ice water or something? Come on, Yeah, baby. something simple like that. <laughs> no, um, I used to meal prep, so I used to make all my meals for the week. Oh, wow. And, uh yeah, just trying to make sure I eat, gain weight. When it comes to this level of sports, you know, that's something serious, so you got to take it serious. Okay, so uh, a couple last questions. I want you to look in the camera and tell every young athlete out in the country why he should come and play football at the University of Utah. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a family. It really is. We do it like no other. We work hard. We're physical. But we compete and we love each other, and that's really what separates us from a lot of programs, a lot of teams when we go out there. You know, we're brothers fighting, and that's something special that you only get at Utah. This episode of Power Players with Dan Clark is sponsored by Master Electrical Service. You know, I don't know if you're caught up in the fourth quarter where we honor, you know, Jordan yes, and Lowe. But I love to watch the impact and effect it has on the opposing team. Yeah. To see them uh, take off their helmets, mm-hmm. pay tribute. So how, how did you hear about that tradition, and what does it do to you in the fourth quarter? Um, you know, I came in, that had all kind of, you know, that was kind of before my time. Yeah. And so it's really important. That as you come in, you, you don't disrespect what's going on, you know. You pay tribute and you hold just as much respect as all those guys who were here when, you know, they were on the team and they were, yeah. they were playing with them. You have to respect them and how they fell in and um, just understand that it's, it's deep. You know, their moms and their families all had to go through that. And so you can sympathize with it just as well, I would say. Do you ever <clears throat> have that thought like, God, it would be cool if people did that for you? Not because you died, but because you lived. Yeah, you, you know? just, the way you lived your life inspires so many people. You know? Yeah. I'm a father of four children, one son, three daughters, and that was part of my son and I's conversation at every game was, I want you to be like him. You know, we would watch you come off the field. I watch what you do when you come off the field. You're pretty supportive. You're pretty fired up. And yes, sir. That's pretty cool. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. We need NIL support, and uh, if you're going to support anybody, why not Dale Johnson, man? He deserves, deserves to be driving a 
A car. What's your favorite car, man? Um, Come on, man. Listen up there, car dealers. Come on, baby. Here we go. What are we talking about? Are we talking about any car? Yeah, come on, man. Think big, man. And if you say a Bentley, man, we got to talk. You know, let's just start yeah. a little bit smaller, <laughs> man. I always wanted, like, uh, I don't know. I like kind of fast cars. Yeah. Yeah, I like. Nah, I'm lying. I'm lying. Come on, man. Talk I'm lying. Me. I like like BMWs, now Mercedes. Okay, okay. I like luxury. Look how about how about how about your favorite music? My favorite mu- music. I like Rod Wave and J Cole. I actually like a lot. I can listen to anything. You R&D listen to country. music to get you pumped up for the game when you come out for pre pre game. Um, uh, I would say that's something that's not really essential in my pre game warm up. I'll kind of listen if it's in the stadium or something like that. I'm really just trying to pregame. I'm really just trying to, you know, mellow out and just kind of get grounded to, you know, where my feet are at and get ready to play a game. Relax. Don't waste any energy. Exactly. I get it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, KO, T-A-O. I think it's Portuguese for stud muffin hunk of burning love. (laughs) So, uh... Redshirt freshman, does that make you how old? 19 years old. And you're such a gentleman. Thank you. You're so mature. Appreciate it. That's pretty cool. You make all of us Utes super, super proud. And uh, let's get some of that NIL support money coming our way. This is Dan Clark, Power Players with Dan Clark from the KUTV Television Studios, Sinclair Broadcast Group, and only as the number one station in the world. We are Ute fans. Have a good day. Go Utes. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.